Welcome, everybody, to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. I'm Dustin Rubio, part of the Limitless Leadership Team and youth pastor at City Church Swansea. And I'm Tim Alford, National Director of Limitless and volunteer youth leader at the Source Church Malvern. And this is a conversation designed to help youth leaders connect, think, and grow. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. It, it is my great joy uh, to welcome back my friend Andy to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. Andy, you've been on before. Yeah. So he's like returning hero. Uh, yeah. So if you want to listen to Andy's drop some wisdom on measuring and debriefing, which doesn't sound exciting. No, but, but it is. <laughs> but it is. It is so exciting. <laughs> it is. It is. So you want to go back and listen to that. For those who, who didn't listen to that, Andy, for those who uh, don't know you, tell us about yourself. Tell us about your journey in youth ministry. Tell us about your role on the Limitless team. Yeah, so I'm uh, originally from Liverpool, hope you can tell, uh, but now based in Hells Owen, just outside of Birmingham. I work for Life Central Church. Um, I've been there nearly seven years now. So seeing, I was just sharing in the car journey on the way over, me and my wife committed to a generation of young people when we started, and we saw that as three to four years. Um, now, at the end of this academic year, there will be no young people left in the youth ministry who were in the youth ministry when I started. That's amazing. Yeah, so it might be time to leave soon. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? Uh, we were. I recorded an episode of this podcast with Faye Harris from Corby, who has been doing youth ministry for 26 years. Wow and who's been serving in the church she's in now for 11 years. And we had a little conversation around the importance of longevity, yeah. because I'm sure you've seen it, Andy, where, and I know this isn't the topic of the conversation, but hey, let's talk, where a youth leader has been there for two years and gone, and then another one's come for two years and mm-hmm. gone, and actually the impact that has on the young people. What's been yeah. the importance of the longevity for you? You said you made a commitment yeah. to a generation, but but mm-hmm. why, and why has that been important? I think being able to develop and uh, grow young leaders so we had a girl start as a young leader on our Friday night youth uh, club, and she was in year four when I started. And we did an episode of our t- like ch- TV notices um, when she was a child, and now she's working on the same team as me. And just being able to see her develop and grow has been amazing. I think yeah. understanding people's journey and their background and where they've come from um, and kind of like seeing young people go from having real problems in school and stuff in their early teens to then growing and maturing as they grow in their faith, as they grow in maturity, as they step into leadership roles. Just seeing that as a whole picture is really, yeah. really helpful. Yeah. Um, and getting to, getting to work with parents as well. The more, the more that you're there, the more the parents trust you and the more you can build those relationships. I think that's really good. And, you know, the other thing with it is that if we only have people who do youth ministry for, for two years or three years or four years, even five years before they go do something else, is that we don't have any experts. Mm. And we need those seasoned people, you know, like you, like Faye, who have been on the journey for a while and I can actually say, oh, I've been there and, and what I've learned from the experience mm. is this. And if we're all in it for the short term, we won't have any of those voices to, to help us grow. Yeah. So really important. But anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. That's, nope. just, uh, that's just one for free uh, for the listeners. Uh, so you've been there for seven years. Carry on. Yeah, I've um, been in youth ministry since I was 18. So that's 14 years. I'm now 32. There you go. Um, used to work for Youth for Christ. Um, before I did this, I worked in various roles, doing residentials, doing prisons work, schools work, 
um, all sorts of stuff like that. And now my role is not just on the youth pastor, but um, I am next-gen pastor. So I oversee kids, youth and young adults and our gap year and internship programme that we do in our church as well. Fantastic. Amazing. And you're on the Limitless Leadership team, you're on our national team, helping to give uh, vision and oversight to to all the things that we do. So that's been great to to have you on that team as well. So Andy, uh, we're, we're talking today about a really important but a really tricky subject, mm. and that is working with fostered and adopted young people. Um, before we jump into the topic, tell us about your experience of it. Yeah, so I um, had relatively little experience of it before starting my role um, and came in to our church, I'd say seven years ago, and it's been something that's grown in the heart of the people of our church. Um, over the last 10 years. Um, It's not been something that we have strategically moved towards. It's not been, you know, the leader hasn't got up at a vision gathering and said, we are going to move towards doing this. It's just something that's grown in the heart of the people. Um, And we've now got um, eight adopting families in our church and six families who are doing foster care. Wow. Which amounts to around about 30 children and young people. Wow. In our Church, okay, they were either fostered or adopted, um, and that's been a really interesting journey for us yeah. as kids and youth workers. It's been uh, challenging, and um, you want to treat them the same as everybody else, but you have to understand that there are different ways um, to lead and manage them. Um, and I think for me as a youth pastor, it's been a real source of joy and pain. There's two, okay. yeah. two sides to the coin. I think there's been times where it's been really tough and I want to be real about that in this podcast. Like there's yeah. been times where um, leading and discipling these young people has, has brought me to the point of wanting to quit and made me feel quite hopeless at times. And then seeing them grow, seeing them develop, seeing God do stuff in their life has just been crazy amounts of joy in it. Um, and I think for me, one of the most important things has been hearing their stories, mm. hearing the stories of where, where those children and young people have come from. Um, some of them were locked in cupboards wow. um, for days on end. Some of them went without food. Some of them, um, one girl, her birth mum had a tattoo of a devil, and she used to regularly point at, at that tattoo and say, that's you, that's the child you are, and would just speak that over her life. Wow. Like, one one of our young people um, spent the first six weeks of her life um, in intensive care recovering from an addiction to heroin because her mum was taking heroin wow. while, she was, while she was pregnant. Like, these kinds of stories, hearing that, like, breaks my heart yeah. and makes me, like, I hear that stuff. And I want to go and punch the people that have done it, yeah. like in, in a loving Christ-like way. Okay, okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> but but also gives me real context of where they're coming from, and and hearing their stories has helped me go, yeah, I understand what I understand that you're struggling to deal with some of these normal things. Yeah. Because I would if I'd gone through through that kind of stuff, and this is stuff in their early early years of their life which has just been so traumatic for them. Yeah. And so you've demonstrated there, in many senses, why um, there might be different behavioural challenges uh, in in working with fostered and adopted young people, because often 
their stories are that much more broken or that much more painful. Um, and you've mentioned actually you, you want to treat them the same, but but you have to understand that there is a different story. Mm. You have to understand that there is yeah. a different journey. But how does that work itself out in its youth ministry? How does it look different working with some of these young people than it might look working with it, mm. with, it, with a young person who's come from maybe a more stable home or a stable family background? In what ways does that look different in your youth mm. ministry and how have you had to engage with it differently? Yeah, well, when a, when a young person or child doesn't have their needs met, particularly in the early years of its life, nor to three is when um, children form their, their attachments to people. Yeah. Um, and most fostered or adopted young people will have attachment difficulties um, where they have difficulty trusting and it's as a result of not getting their needs met. Yeah. So whether that's their their emotional needs, their comfort and when a baby cries it needs to learn that somebody will come. If it doesn't get that need then it will learn that if it cries nobody comes yeah. and, and people aren't to be trusted. If it, they're not getting fed, they're not getting clothed properly, all that kind of stuff. And there's three main things that attachment difficulties develop in. So okay. the first one is trust. So when, as a baby, when, you're, when your needs are met, you learn that people are there to be trusted and people can, be, can are trustworthy until they prove you wrong. Whereas a child that doesn't get its, its needs met will grow to not trust people mm. and naturally not trust people. So, um, Which must be a, gr- a real challenge in, in a youth ministry context mm. where so much of the discipleship uh, is based on trust. Mm. Uh, and so it's, I guess it's a, it's a, your, your first priority is trying to establish that trust or yeah. build that trust, which is mm. more difficult, I, I yeah. assume. Yeah, and this is where I'm going to probably say a few things on it later, but the longevity thing that we've already talked about, yeah. that's huge for these young people, yeah. knowing, that, then knowing that you are trustworthy and you've proven yourself. Yeah. Um, constantly, and I think when you when you have a a, a normal level of trust and a, and a healthy level of trust, um, you you learn you have confidence to explore the world, and you you don't have the levels of anxi- anxiety that a child who hasn't mm. learned to trust would have. So when when they don't have that trust, they struggle with people, they struggle with authority, they struggle to believe that people are doing the best for them. Mm. Um, and they can always be on high alert and they always feel unsafe. Yeah. So one of our young people, his his resting heart rate is higher than the average resting heart rate, much higher, because in the womb he had higher cortisone levels, so higher stress levels coming. So his his body has grown to have a higher higher yeah. um, heart rate. Yeah. So he is always on high alert, always at the point of ready to be stressed out. Like, he, he is often teetering right on the edge, um, which is really, really difficult for yeah. them. And one thing I'm learning there is that it, with some of these stories, the, the impact isn't just emotional or, or mm. mental. The, yeah. the impact is actually physical. Yeah. Something ha- is yeah. happening different in mm. his body as yeah. a result of his... Because this attachment stuff is to do with the development of the brain. Yeah. And um, the development of the brain, you've got your flight, fight or flight mode yeah. that comes in a, an action in your brain so that when you when you go into panic modes, like if, if, you or an I, if you and I were involved in an emergency, a, a road traffic accident, we would go into fight or flight mode. Yeah. And for these young people, fight or flight mode is, is much easier turned on. Mm. So they quick, like in, in less stressful situations, will go into fight or flight mode. Yeah. 
And for young people who haven't developed trust, it easily turns to rage. And yeah. they they internalise it and turn it on themselves and become angry with themselves that they don't trust people. And that turns to the second one, which is shame. Um, so the difference between guilt and shame is guilt says, I have done something wrong, whereas shame says, there is something wrong with me. Yeah. And often young people with attachment difficulties will struggle with high levels of shame, will constantly feel like there's something wrong with them. Mm. Um, their sense of worth is impaired. They always feel like they are bad. Um, and this can be really difficult when we use traditional levels of behaviour modification, when we use traditional levels of punishment. Um, because, you know, if you're in the middle of a youth session and someone's messing about, you, you might traditionally say, right, I need you to just go and wait outside the room for a moment while I finish my point and then I'll come out and talk to you. Like, we, I, I've done that once <laughs> and I, never again because the, the level of shame can just rise up when you're publicly calling them out in right, front of everybody. Right. Um, one of the lads, years ago, we ran a, a Youth Alpha and we did a pizza as part of the meal for Youth Alpha. And uh, one of the lads had got too many slices of pizza on his, on his plate um, and when we were collecting up the rubbish, she came up to the thing, to the bin, and threw three slices of pizza in the bin. And I just, as a throwaway comment, went, oh, mate, it's a bit of a waste, isn't it? And the overwhelming sense of shame just filled him to the point that he, he ran off and locked himself in the toilet. And we wow. could not get him out of the toilet for an hour. All just because you said it was a, wa a waste yeah, of pizza? Yeah, yeah. Be because... With other people around, I chained them, and that sense of shame that built up inside mm. of them took him into fight or flight mode, mm. and he is a young person that goes into flight mode. So we have, on more than one occasion, lost him on our youth floor because we, he's gone and hid, and the shame, and he's just gone and hid in a corner, and we've not been able to find him for a little while, and it's produced panic for us, yeah. um, but we have found him. Um, so there's this the sense of shame, and then... The final one, the, the lack of being able to self-regulate. Okay. Um, so um, they can't reset themselves. So you and I, if we get if we get wound up, yeah, we can we can find a way to reset ourselves. Yeah. That we, you know, if we're excited, we can have a moment to calm ourselves down. Yeah. Whereas um, because these young people haven't had their needs met and haven't like when they've been cold, haven't been had the blankets to warm themselves up with yeah, the baby. Yeah. They've not learned to self-regulate themselves. Yeah. So they struggle to calm down. And yeah. often for young people, food is an issue. So they either don't eat enough food or eat far too much food because yeah. they don't know how to listen to their body. Yeah, okay. They don't know how to listen and go, oh I'm full or I'm hungry. They um they often don't wear the wear the right clothes. So they, they don't know how to look at the weather and regulate and go, I need to make sure that I'm wearing a warm coat because they were never taught that as a, as a small child. It's frightening how significant 0 to 3 is yeah. Um, for, yeah. for these kids. And um, I think like we have a system to hide it when we're not in a good place. Mm. Like you and I can have an argument with our wife before work and then come into work and pretend like everything's okay. <laughs> and, um, you know what I mean? And... and the, these young people struggle. Yeah. So if they've had a bad day at school, it will overspill into youth. Yeah. They cannot just go, okay, that was school, that's fine. 
I'm all right at, at youth, and it, they struggle to self-regulate themselves. So often, if you're doing high-energy games at the start of your youth session, yeah, okay, these young people will go, ah, oh, this is so exciting, and we'll take 20 minutes to calm down, okay, back to a back to a normal. I get it. Calm okay, level. so 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 let me ask you, Andy, with, with with these three things, with 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 the, with the trust thing, with the shame thing, with with the self-regulating thing. Mm -hmm. Are you saying that this is just how it is with young people who've been fostered and adopted and have had a, a, a difficult background and the, the impact of to 3 and all that? This is just how it is, and you just have to learn to manage it. Or is it this is how they're likely to be, and this is the place that we start a discipleship journey from, and what we want is to show them how to trust, to show them that they don't need to feel that shame or to help them not to feel that shame, to, to teach them how to self-regulate. Which is it? It's the second one. Yeah. And I think our, our job as youth practitioners is to take young people from where they are to where Jesus wants them to be yeah. and, and to lead them on that path. And like the, lad, the lads who went and hid in the toilet, like he's 16 going on 17 now. That was when he was 13, 14. Yeah. It's been a long time since he's run away from us. And, and yeah. And his levels of shame still come up, but he responds much better now. Yeah, um, and um, he's very much a, a a leading them to that. Although these attachment difficulties will never go away. Okay, they, it's not that these young people will function from a normal place. They will always have these things going on in the background. They will just become better at managing them and right. better at managing themselves. And we need to help them with that okay so so the next question is how yeah <laughs> well i think it's important to understand how they express some of this stuff okay so the, the three key ways that they express um are avoidance attention needing and disorganized okay so so some young people will appear like everything's okay and they will they will avoid any kind of conflict they they're just very compliant very pa like very passive will just seem like everything's okay and wouldn't want to disturb anything and um, so they express that that level of shame by going i'm not worth being noticed therefore i won't be noticed and i will just appear as compliance and um, then you've got attention needing attention i think often we refer to young people as attention seeking and we use it as a negative reason young people attention seek because they attention need and they need attention whether whether it's the um, uh, manifesting that in a healthy way or not, there is a need that they, they need to feel like they're noticed. Mm. And um, some of our young people who've got these attachment difficulties who are fostered and adopted are very hyperactive, very loud, very noisy. You know when they walk into the youth floor because yeah. They, yeah. they announce themselves essentially yeah. and they are some of the attention needing young people. Um, and then you've got uh, disorganized, which is almost a combination of both and okay. that's where it can be most tricky because they can be very unpredictable you, yeah. you don't know which one you're going to get um, and you um, don't necessarily know how they're going to react they can sometimes appeal, appear controlling and manipulative but it's really important when working with these young people is understanding how they express this. Yes. Yeah, so, okay. So when you say disorganised, you, you don't necessarily mean 
uh, they arranged to meet you and then they forgot about it. You mean that, that their uh, emotions and their and mm. their thoughts yeah. uh, and their pro their internal processes are disorganized in that sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and off, often they won't be able to retain information. Yeah, okay. So, so they will forget things, but but more than the normal. Yeah, um, yeah. Young person would. Um, and I think that one of the key things with leading these young people is understanding how they express that. So I know the young people in, in my youth ministry who are avoidant, who appear as if everything's okay, that we need to dig, it, dig in deep, that the moments when when that does crack and they do show emotion and they do show um, kind of vulnerability, that's a really key moment and an important moment for them. And, and we treat that with real care make sure we're very very careful about it mm. um, I think knowing what are some of the triggers for the for the young people um, so the lad, the lad who struggles with the with the shame stuff and um, with the pizza um, if you fast forward about a year or so we were on our youth weekend away and he got frustrated with one of his best mates and punched them in the face and okay as soon as that happened he knew I have done something wrong which led to there is something wrong with me yeah. inside of him. Yeah. And I saw it happen and I knew instantly I couldn't roar at him across the room. Yeah. And I couldn't I couldn't come here now, that's how and, yeah. and he instantly went into that place of shame and began to run away. And I chased him and I called his name and I said, I am not angry with you. I want to make sure you're okay. And I want to talk this through in a calm way. Yeah. Like, stop. I'm not angry with you. Because the important thing there is him knowing that I still cared about him, still yeah, loved him. Yeah. He was still of value to us in the youth ministry. Yeah. And and he stopped, which he'd not done for me before. Like yeah. He just carried on running, which was a real um, show of his trust in me. Yeah. And we chatted about it, and we talked about the consequences of it later when he'd calmed down. And yeah. when he was not in that fight or flight mode anymore. Yeah, yeah. And um, he was in a place where he could hear what I said and he eventually went back and apologised to his friends. Yeah. So it's understanding that and I think um, in this, it's, I want to make sure that like, you know that I'm not an expert, but like, yeah. we still get it wrong Yeah. at the end of Limitless Festival we were on our way home and on the coach um, one of our young people swore really loudly we were about to set off and uh, it was one of our young people who's been fostered and adopted and I was like, right step off this coach now because I was tired. Yeah, I was yeah exactly. After a long week at the uh, and, festival. Yeah, and then we got off the coach, and I just got nothing but attitude and back chat and all that kind of stuff. And I realised I've gone about this in the wrong way. Yeah. And I have not helped her understand what I, what is going on here. Um, so left it, and then when we got back to church, off the coach, I was able to chat to her, and she got it, and she understood it. So it's understand, like... I know that I get tired and I, yeah, I get yeah. it wrong sometimes, yeah. um, but it's understanding that stuff. Um, and there's a tension there with the behaviour modification. Yeah. Like, um, and there's, there's the constant wrestle of we want, we need to be able to discipline young people. We have to be able to um, control them and speak into what you did there was was unacceptable. Yes. Um, but when they're in fight or flight mode, they won't hear it. Yeah. Like yeah. when when you're in an emergency situation and your brain goes into fight or flight mode you won't hear, you won't be able to analyse the decisions you make. You will just do what, what adrenaline tells you to do in that yeah, moment. Yeah. So when they're at that point where they're high anxiety, high stress levels, they just won't hear the message that we're trying to communicate. Yeah, yeah. So it's finding a way to get beyond that, 
get them out of the situation, get them to help them to regulate, and then we can communicate the message yeah. in whatever way works yeah. um, for them. And that's where where relationship is key. Yeah. Relationship is so, so important. Um, you know, there's two of our girls who a couple of years ago, any time I told them off, would go, Andy hates us. Andy hates me. Mm. All he ever does is tell me to shut up. Andy, all, all he ever does is tell me to listen. Um, and uh, we did, as part of our youth stuff, we did a, a, a series of dance workshops. And because we wanted lads to sign up, I said, I'll go in the dance workshops and I, I'll humble myself and place, present myself <laughs> as vulnerable and be part of the dance workshop. And these two girls, who always think I hate them, because I, all I do is tell them off according to them, and um, we're in the dance workshops, and I thought, this is my opportunity to really build relationship with them. And that's been so, so key. My relationship with them is so much better. They listen to me in such a better way now because I spent 10 weeks every Wednesday night learning to dance, and they're better dancers than me. So we were on an equal playing field. We built relationship. We got to know each other better, and they now function from a place of, I don't hate them, I love them, I'm mm. there for them, I'm, there, I'm cheering them on, I'm there to support them, and then I can have those conversations with them where we, we do the behaviour modification stuff, we call stuff out of them, we do the discipleship stuff, we do the accountability stuff, and it comes from that place. But it's all about relationship, it's yeah. all about building that relationship, and that takes... Because going back to the, the trust thing at the start, mm, yeah. And that takes longer with these young people, yeah. and that's why longevity is so, so key. It's... It's um, it's really important. One of our young people, another one, um, we have we have an internship and gap year program where we have gap years come for for a year, maybe stay for two years, um, and serve as part of the youth ministry or the kids ministry. Um, and we suggested to one of our girls, we said, "Why don't you go and get to know her, um, who's on a gap year? I think you'll really get on." And she went, "Oh, there's no point." Went, Why? And she went, "Well, there's no point. She's just going to leave me in a year." Mm. And that set, we were like, whoa, that's huge. The sense of these young people don't want to get close to somebody who's just going to up and leave them in yeah. a year's time. Yeah. Um, and the consistency in the relationship, the longevity yeah. is so, so vital that I've seen some of our young people who are fostered and adopted, I've seen them from the age of 10. They're now 17, going to college, approaching being an adult. It's so important that I and some of my team have been along that journey with us that are there with them because we're consistent. They know now that they can trust us because we've been on the journey with them for seven years or so. Is there a danger, Andy, um, that because, because trust has been so hard for them to build, when they do eventually build that trust with you, it's almost that they become too attached or too dependent on you. Is that a challenge? It is. It's a real tension. Because in youth ministry, we, you know, our, our goal isn't that young people become attached to us, it's that they become attached to Jesus, right? Mm, yes. So, so how do you navigate that? Um, it's really interesting. We are having some discussions now already of how do we, how do we transition these guys? Because a, a large group of them are in their final year of college. Mm. So at the end of this academic year, they will transition into the young adult ministry, mm. which is not the youth team. Yeah. So we are already having conversations about how we navigate that, about how we transition that. Um, so maybe it's a podcast for a couple of years yeah, to see yeah. how we've done that and what we've learned from it. But the, some of the things are keep, keeping those um, those relationships going, making sure that they're with 
people that they do trust, but there's not a, there's not a, such a dependency on one person. Okay. Um, yeah. So so many of our youth team have been serving to the youth ministry for such a long time um, that there's a real web of people that they trust. And like one of our young people who does have a tendency to become dependent on young people, um, she has a list of five or so leaders that she knows she can go to that get her and understand that, that if she's in a fight or flight mode, if she's in meltdown mode, um, she can go to and they'll know what to do. And she knows that list of, of leaders. Um, and I'm number five on the list. <laughs> so, yeah, we do. Yeah, it's a difficult one. It's a real yeah. tension. It, all of all of this stuff is real tension. I, yeah. I still, with, with the experience of the last four or five years, like I still find myself to and fro and with some of the parents and going, how do we manage this? Yeah, but we've got to do this and we've got to set the example for other young people. And yeah. all of this yeah. stuff yeah. is a tension. And, yeah. Um, like it's so key the relationship with parents it is so so important like relationship with parents like I have parents who text me or text other leaders saying just so you know they're coming down to youth tonight but they've had they've had a dog of a day at school or mm. this has happened or you know this is going on at the moment they're really struggling with this and that gives us a lens that we can yeah. we can see they come in in a mood or they come in and throw a PlayStation controller yeah. and we know they're not just doing that to wind us up that there's, yeah. there's yeah. something going on behind it um, when we've had to do behaviour modification stuff when we have had to say to some of our young people, look, because this happens, you can't come for a couple of weeks. Yeah. We've navigated that really carefully with parents yeah. and said, look, we, we want to do this because we're not, the church isn't there to outsource the discipleship of kids. That's we, right. We're yeah. there to serve parents and we yeah. want to work with, not against parents. Yeah. Um, so we, we, we navigate that really carefully. But yeah. it's a constant tension for us. There's yeah. no like, Bang, this is a set way to do it. Yeah. It's about working with parents on it. Yeah. Okay. So it sounds to me like whilst there's some things that we can understand and that there are some principles, this is poetry, not maths. Mm. And that actually it's about the individual. And it's not even about the individual, it's about the moment mm. and the specific circumstance. Yeah. Um, and we have to kind of just, you know, feel it out a little bit. Mm. Um, before we finish, you've expressed some things that are really helpful there, and I'm going to get you to, to recap and just give us some headlines because there's so much content in there. It'd be good to have a refresher. But before that, it, this does sound like it's like, and you said at the start, it's hard going. Mm. So, so how have you kept going? Uh, yeah, I think that, like I said, there have been times when I've walked out of youth sessions and gone, "What's the point? Yeah, this, this I'm just wasting my time here." It does feel hopeless um, at times. Um, and I think knowing knowing that we are not just impacting the one person, but we're potentially impacting generations that yeah. go beyond them. Yeah, that's great. The, the stats for children and young people who have been fostered or adopted and what they then go on to do in their adult life are horrifying right. and terrifying. And the fact that we have an opportunity mm. to impact that is huge. Yeah. And for me, that's a really big deal. And, um, you know, we, we try not to avoid the big topics. We speak into this a lot when, when I'm yeah. preaching. I don't, I don't avoid it. If we talk about, you know, we have been chosen, you are chosen, you are adopted into God's family. Yeah. Like, 
I specifically speak into that because there's a large percentage of the room that are that you talk about adoption and all this stuff comes up and we, we we're not scared to speak into yeah. that. Yeah. Um, you know, the song We're No Longer Slaves to Fear. Mm. Second verse says, From my mother's room, you have chosen me, your blood flows through my veins. Like say, singing that in a youth context, when you're surrounded by young people who are fostered and adopted, there's something different about that song. Yeah. Yeah. And like God gets me every time. Like mm. I feel emotional every time because because I understand that these young people feel like that's not true. Yeah. And they feel like, no, from my mother's room, I was, once I came out of my mother's room, I was rejected. I yeah. Was, yeah. I was neglected. I was cast away. And actually trying to get young people to, to understand, you know, God has chosen you. Yeah. God's chosen you to be put in the family. Like, mm. there's almost like an extra, extra level of, wowness and depth yeah. wowness isn't a word but like, <laughs> there's an extra level of depth to a family chose to accept you yeah and, and show rather than you just being born into that family a family looked at you and said hey we want you to be a part of us yeah and um, for us that's massive and um you know that one of our young people when she got baptized i'd like to read her testimony to you mm. um, because it's massive I'll change her name um, but it says hey hi my name is Lucy I'm 13 and I'm here today to say that I want to follow Jesus here's a bit of my story I had a difficult life uh, start to life and ended up in care when I was three and a half then I met my forever family just before I was six and they adopted me so I became a smith I soon realised that they were the maddest family I've ever met, so don't blame me for my madness. They took me to church, which I had never been to before, and I met lots of people who were really kind and loved me for who I was. I learned about Jesus and how he died for me, but I didn't really understand how that affected me. At this time, I was having some difficulties at school, and as I got very angry sometimes, I found it hard to learn, and I also got upset when people didn't understand me. I was excluded a few times and so I had a new key worker at school who I really got on with and who understood me and helped me a lot. Then we changed church to be more local to home and we started coming to Life Central. When I walked into church, I was really surprised to see my key worker from school and I found out that she was one of the youth team here. This was one of the many times that I realised how God was helping me with my problems by putting great people in my life. Mm. Last year, I went to a youth camp called Soul Survivor and I made the decision to follow Jesus. People prayed for me about my anger, and since then I have been much calmer at school and I have not been excluded. In fact, I am helping other students at school with their anger problems. I still get angry sometimes, but I talk to Jesus about it by praying, and I also get lots of support from my mum, dad and sister, and the amazing youth leaders. My verse today is about God making all things work together for our good, and I think that's what God has done and is doing in my life. Even though we have hard times, God can use them and make them into something good. Wow. And that's, for me, that sums it up. Yeah. Like, yeah, I struggle reading it out without getting emotional. I remember looking across at my wife, Laura, and she was just in bits. Yeah. Because for us, it's about impacting the generations. Yeah. And, and, you know, if, if she goes on to follow Jesus and have kids herself... We, we can break a cycle. Yeah. And, you know, there's a verse that's in Psalm 68 that says, God sets the lonely in families. And that's what we're about. We, yeah. we want to see God setting the lonely in families. Um, 
And just one final story about, about fostering. There's a family who, in the last two years, have started fostering. And um, they have fostered a little little baby recently, a little baby girl. And Leon, our, our lead pastor, was at a meeting with church leaders. And this church leader came up to him and said, just want you to know, me and my wife have just adopted a child. Um, and she's been fostered by a family in your church. And we want you to know that the heart of God has come from your church and your church family and is now in this girl and in a part of our family. Wow. And it's just huge. And, and that's what keeps me going, mm. seeing that, that God sets the lonely in families, that God works everything for his goods, that God wants to take that which was cast aside, that which was rejected from birth, and say, I want to do something amazing in this person's life. And we get it wrong, and we've got stories of success. We've got stories of young people following Jesus, and we've got stories of young people absolutely turning away from Jesus and stuff that breaks our heart mm. and breaks our heart today. Do you mm. know what I mean? And and it is hard and it is tough, but knowing that God can do can do incredible things in these young people's lives keeps us going, and seeing seeing God do amazing things in these young people is what keeps us going, yeah. even when it's at its hardest. Amazing. Andy, you've not just given us uh, helpful insight and wisdom there, you've given us a real vision uh, for working with young people. So thank you for that. And and I'm just so aware there's so much content in that. Mm. So just leave us with the key thoughts, leave us with the key headlines, the takeaways so that we can go away and that we can think these things through, we can process them. Mm. I think understanding is key. Understand the story, understand the background, understand how they... Um, display attachment difficulty. Yeah. Work with parents or guardians. Yeah. Work really closely when they first come over. If you haven't met with parents yet, go and meet with parents. Get to know um, how you can work with their parents um, and be in it for the long haul. Don't give up. It's hard. I've been there. I've spent time banging my head against the brick wall saying, what is the point? Keep going. There are highs and there are definite lows, but keep going and ultimately love them with the love of Jesus. Fantastic. Andy, thank you so much for joining us again on the Limitless Leadership Podcast. And thank you, everybody, for listening, for watching. Uh, we appreciate you being with us. This this is surely an episode that you need to share. Uh, so, so share that so other youth leaders can get it. Uh, rate and review it on iTunes as well, just to help us get this uh, podcast out to more uh, youth leaders out and about around the nations. And uh, join us again next time on the Limitless Leadership Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. We want to make sure that the Limitless Leadership Podcast is tackling the issues that affect you in youth ministry. So email us at info at limitlesselam.co.uk to let us know the issues you'd like us to discuss. Stay in touch with us on social media. We're at Limitless Elam on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, and YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or however you get your podcast. See you next time.